A string of arsons strike the city of Vancouver, British Columbia. The target? Mason Lodges. Are we going to talk about that? I don't know. I don't know. This last episode of season 13 has been such a struggle. I do have some stories, though, for you. Maybe that one. Maybe that one. We'll see. Are Nickelodeon theme songs haunted by angels? And then some other stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. I'd like to say we have a bunch of stuff to cover, but I, I do have stuff in mind I want to talk about, and it is related to the topic. I'm not just going to start doing movie reviews, but it, it, this is the end of season 13. I'm physically beat. I'm mentally beat, but in good ways. I, I think we're ending off season 13 really strong. <laughs> I can't say that with a straight face. This episode might be a little wobbly. Just like yesterday's episode, I had recorded a full episode for the season finale. Wasn't good enough. This one will be better. The other one just didn't have any energy to it. I wanted to pick some stories that I'm kind of excited about and are kind of more personal type stories. Not personal stories, personal observations, personal conspiracy theory type of things, which you guys do seem to like. But before we get started on any of that, let's introduce our newest Patreon supporter, uh uh, 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 <laughs> in comes our newest Patreon supporter, Wiz's Carb. Everyone give a round of applause to Wiz's Carb. He's dressed up like a boy band memories in a white suit. Just like those boy bands of the 1990s. Now we all have white suits on. We're all doing matching boy band moves. Trust me, this is better. <laughs> this is... This is better than the last version, okay? The last version was super boring. Wiz's Carb... You're going to be our captain or pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you don't know all the moves, we're going to spend a lot of time practicing. Just help get the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. We're going to get into why Wiz's Carb is just like a boy band member in a second. Let's actually talk about this Masons thing. I was joking in the beginning. I, I do want to talk about it, but we don't really have a lot of information to go off of. What happened was, actually before I'm get, totally getting ahead of myself, Wiz's Carb, let's go ahead and hop into Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed up to Vancouver, Canada. It's a really bizarre story. This just happened on March 30th, 2021. And anyone who knows anything about conspiracy theories knows the number three is very powerful, and I always poo-poo that stuff. But that doesn't mean that people who are into it find it very important. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's any difference between committing an act on the 33rd day than there is on the 7th day or the 12th day or anything like that. But to someone who believes in it, it is very, very important for them to follow these numbers. So 3-3-0-2021, three Mason Lodges in Vancouver, Canada, were set on fire within 90 minutes. This wasn't an accident. It wasn't bad wiring in all three of them. We know that for a fact because the suspect, who has not been named, has been arrested. He was actually walking out of the third location with a gas can. And an off-duty cop is walking by, and there's, like, flames coming out of a building. The cop is looking at the guy with the can walking away, humming a jaunty tune. And cop's looking at the building, and the guy's getting in his car, and the cop looks back at the building, and the guy's starting to drive away. The cop actually does start wrestling the dude. The dude gets away, but the cop is like, um, okay, I'll just do this. And he pulls out his phone, and he writes down the license plate and calls it in. They arrest him. They haven't revealed the name yet, because in Canada, apparently, 
And this is a pretty good law. You can't name someone until they've actually been arrested. Actually, that's a terrible law. What if, like, someone's on the run from the cops? They're like, there's a mass murderer, and he might be buying a plane ticket to leave the country and kill again in another country, but we can't tell you who. The airline's like, oh, I'm sure there are. I'm sure they can tell other cops. I'm sure they can warn other cops. They're like, who should we be on lookout for? They're like, I can't tell. But anyways, the media... They won't reveal to media. But anyway, so he he burned these things. We know it's a 42-year-old man. That's all we know. Here's my take on this. The arsonist believed that the Masons were an evil group of people, and he waited until 3030 to set all this stuff on fire. There's also a question, because I mentioned it on a previous episode, but I didn't actually do the story about the, what was it, the 40 days blood ritual, the sacrifice, the mass sacrifice days that are coming. I didn't really, I researched a bunch of it and recorded it and then had to scrap it, and I, I don't really remember. But anyways, they're supposedly we're in this time period, like the 40 days of the Feast of the Beast, or something, <laughs> that sounds like something, sounds like a special sale down at the local hometown buffet. <laughs> All you can eat for $6.66. Feast of the Beast. It could be related to that. I, I, my take on it is this guy is an anti-Masonic conspiracy theorist and he set it on fire. However, I think we will see conspiracy theories go around that the Masons set their own buildings on fire because they committed some sort of blood sacrifice there and they had to cover up the evidence. Because, you know, whenever you're <laughs> whenever you're committing a crime, you do it in three separate locations. But I think that'll be the conspiracy theory that grows out of this. Um, he probably would have kept burning them down if he hadn't been stopped. Um, I think it was the anti-Masonic guy, but we'll see. He could just be a crazy guy who had a, had a thing against uh, compasses and pyramids and was like eyeballs. And he decided to blow up any building that had that stuff in there. Also linking to, we're going to see conspiracy theories come out of this. Well, you know, I keep saying that, but it's so hard. This is really interesting, but... I went on a couple conspiracy boards and I didn't even see them talking about this. So who knows? Everyone's so wrapped up in flat earth and the sky is fake and all this dumb stuff. This stuff, people should be eating it up. But my theory, again, is that he's anti-Masonic. He's burning it down. At one of these lodges, one of the lodges is completely burned to the ground. It, it, you can't save it. Um, they, have, they have hooked up the life support. They have like a little IV bag full of cement. At one of these Masonic lodges, just like a week or two ago... About five minutes away, a man walked into a library and did a mass stabbing. He murdered a woman and then stabbed six other people and then tried stabbing himself. And the cops caught him. So just five minutes away from one of these lodges that burned down. So I think you'll see conspiracy theory within conspiracy theory within conspiracy theory in this. Yeah, interesting story. And I, I'm honestly surprised we don't see more. As much as people seriously believe in conspiracy theories, I'm surprised we don't see more of this type of stuff. And we may in the future. We really may in the future. So remember that guy who tried driving that train into the boat during the whole coronavirus thing? When the USS Comfort, when President Trump ordered that boat off the coast of L.A. to work as like a makeshift hospital, a guy was a captain of a train and he tried crashing the train into this military vessel. Because he believed that it was all fake, that the coronavirus was fake, everything. He was trying to expose the truth. We had that other guy I covered a long time ago who took an armored car and blocked the Hoover Dam and held up a sign saying, release the AIG report, which was supposed to be the... Remember, it's so funny because looking at these things, they were so important to conspiracy theory. Do you guys even remember the AIG report? Super early in President Trump's 
administration. It, I covered it in like episode six or seven. And this guy blocked the Hoover Dam and put up a sign saying release the AIG report. And the AIG report was basically supposed to be whoever the invest attorney general was back then. I don't remember. It was supposed to be the whole thing about arresting Hillary Clinton and Q and things like that. And he's, I think he got sentenced recently to like 10, 20 years in prison because it was considered a terrorist act. The train guy I haven't heard from. But um, it's not like he's my personal buddy. I'm like, hey, Alan, what's up? What's up, train guy? It's not like I would personally hear from him. That's why I shift from side to side. Don't come looking for me, FBI. But yeah, those conspiracy theories were so important and people have acted on them. Wizz's Carbs, let's call in the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We are going to leave behind Vancouver. We are headed out to Hollywood. Dead Rabbit Dirigible is taking the slow yet fun journey. It's the last episode of the season. So I technically I should want to get there as soon as possible. And as we're flying out there, here's a little... Here's a, what, I should come up with a name with this segment. Jason's Thoughts. Jason just thinking. How's that? Jason just thinking. A long time ago, I was at the Goodwill with my little brother, and I said, hey, let's have a contest. Let's see who can find the saddest thing. Let's see who can find the most sad thing. Now, I've done this before at, like, Best Buy. I'm not trying to find the saddest thing at Best Buy. It's a tiny television. No. At Best Buy, I would have this game with Josh. Josh Mormeyer. I'd say, let's find the suckiest movie. So we'd each have to find the worst movie, and it'd be like this game. Whoever picked the worst movie won. It was fun. But at Goodwill, at Goodwill, you can't find the best movie. Let's find the saddest thing. My little brother got a crutch. Because he goes, this means someone's been injured. The only time you have a crutch is when you've been injured. I got a PlayStation 2 memory card. My little brother's like, what? What is that? And I go, on this card, and I'm holding my card right now. On this card is unfinished video games. This card is literally full of people's achievements that were never finished. Inside this, <laughs> inside this cards are hopes and dreams of beating levels, of saving the princess, of ridding San Andreas, of corrupt police, and they will never ever be played again. Now we we argued over who actually picked the the worst one, but on my vacation, the reason why I was thinking about that. On my vacation, I pulled my PS2 out of storage. I keep talking about and play video games for the next two weeks when I'm on vacation from the show. And yeah, I put this in and it had a couple games on there. Grand Theft Auto that hasn't been played. San Andreas, of course, from 2009. So yeah, it's weird. I think like on the, it's true. On these memory cards, we use them. They're so important to us. When we, I don't even know what type of memory the new systems use. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a grandpa. But yeah, I just think it's interesting. Like these memory cards are the digital version of the self-storage locker. You know, that's always the thing. Self-storage is where dreams go to die. I say it's where dreams go to be delayed. But, of course, some dreams do die off. You buy the guitar, you never use it, you pluck around on it a bit, but then you don't take it seriously, and then it ends up in the self-storage because you say you're going to pick it up again someday. Well, the the memory card... <laughs> saying to go play your PS2s today. I am going to play some 2007 WWE vs. Raw this uh, vacation. I'm going to have a lot of fun with that and Ghost Rider and Jackass, the video game. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Never played that, but I have it. But I, I like to say dreams delayed because like I was saying in the beginning, my 90 days to a better you for me was lifting weights and I'm seeing those cuts 
in my, not my guts on my skin from dropping the weights. I'm starting to see my body to return to what it was when I was in my 20s. I can look at my calves and see those little definition lines. And I can look at my arms and definitely my shoulders. Everything's filling out. So I'm, I'm my Jason's just thinking was about how memory cards are full of dreams delayed and possibly denied. But don't let your dreams be denied. It's okay to delay them. But don't delay them too long. Um, and, and that ding, was Jason's just thinking. Let's go. Wizis Khalif is like, what is going on? Wizis Khalif land. Wizis Khalif. Khalif. You didn't know that? He is now, he changed his name from Wiz Khalifa and he's now supporting the Patreon. Wizis Carbs. I don't know how many times I've said Wiz Khalif this episode. Sorry, bro. Wiz's Carbs, bring that dead rabbit dirigible down here in Hollywood. Here's another. I don't know if this is a Jason's just thinking or this is a Jason's just stretching. But I actually have wanted to talk about this for a while. Longtime listeners of the show know that back in the mid-2000s, really for a long time, like early 2000s, up until around 2011, up until I moved away from the area, I did a lot of babysitting. I lived with my grandma, and they didn't have the energy to take care of all of their grandkids, but I did. So I, my boy Billy, I hung out with him, Logan, and who were the other ones? Logan and Billy and Chuck. I don't know. I don't know who the other ones were. Um, Bobby, maybe, maybe Billy and Logan were the ones I hung the most. And uh, what Austin, I hung out with him all the time too. Little dudes. And when you're babysitting, and I babysat some other people's kids too, Jackie's kids, I babysat Jackie's kids and Kara's kids. When you're babysitting, you end up watching young people's shows. So I watched a lot of Nickelodeon. I watched a lot of Disney Channel. And there's some pretty good stuff on there. So I've been re-watching some of those shows on Netflix. And usually it's before I'm going to bed because it's all, no matter what horrible news I've been reading during the day or no matter what happened, I can always go and before I go to bed, watch two or three episodes of Victorious. It's normally on in the background, or now Big Time Rush is on Netflix. It's like the number four show on Netflix. And I just got done watching Big Time Rush when I started the show. When I started Dead Rabbit Radio, I would talk about Big Time Rush from time to time. It's good stuff. I think it's a quality show. It's funny. And it's also a good palate cleanser from reading true crime and reading all this depressing stuff all day long. But I started to notice something in the theme songs. And there's always been this long controversy that Nickelodeon is connected to satanic stuff. And it, it goes way far back. And the most recent one that I saw connected to, it was, it was such an odd detail. Nickelodeon, this part's not odd. Nickelodeon was supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. That's fine, right? That's not the odd part. But they would have this montage, and you can see it on YouTube. I'll, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. There was this montage where it was like, Nickelodeon believes Black Lives Matter, and then it said, like, Black Culture Matters, and it had these other things. And then one of them said, Black Magic Matters. And people were like, Black Culture, Black Lives, totally understand. Black Magic, there's only one. Like, I don't know the person. And it's like these quick flashes, too. And I remember seeing, I remember hearing it and not believing it. So I looked it up and I was like, well, I mean, there it is. Black magic matter. Now they could be talking about like, you know, like the magic of the culture. They could be talking about like the magic of, you know, the entire society. 
But that's normally not what that term means. Black magic. It normally has a negative connotation, even among magic users. You have white magicians and gray magicians and like witches and Wiccans. Black magic is still and has a negative connotation. And it's not negative towards the black community, but it's definitely, it has that connotation. And that is just the newest thing. I was seeing stuff about Illuminati. There's like an Illuminati logo, you know, like the triangle with the eye in it going way back into Nickelodeon's past. And then some of the choices they've used for the show. I remember a long time ago when I was more believing in conspiracy theories. And, and, and I say that. It doesn't mean I don't believe in them anymore. But I used to be really, really, like, into them. Like, believed them. I remember once there was an episode of iCarly where she fights Victoria Justice. Who's not a superhero, if you're unfamiliar with that name. It's not a superhero. It's an actual woman. iCarly was fighting Victoria Justice. And... It was this whole boxing match or kickboxing match or something like that. I haven't seen the episode in years. For no reason at all. For no reason at all. Victoria, let me look it up here real quick. I didn't plan on going on this ramp, but let me look this up here. So in the episode, I fight Shelby. What was it? Damn it! I gotta look it back. I fight Shelby Marks is the name of this episode. For whatever reason, iCarly has to fight Shelby Marks, who is a kickboxer played by Victoria Justice. This is a Nickelodeon show. Fine, whatever, whatever. But for no reason at all, they never acknowledge it in the show. Shelby Marx's logo is like a bull's head. And it's a picture of like a bull. They never, her name's not Shelby the Bull Marx. They never reference it on her workout, or on her fighting outfit is a picture. It's a red circle with a bull. Its snout appears to be bloody. And it has horns. And you could even argue it's not a bull. It looks... If you were a conspiracy theorist, it looks out of place. It looks satanic. And on her gloves are red stars. Which, when held held in a certain way, look like upside-down pentagrams. A reach... Definitely. But I remember I was watching this show back when I was more into conspiracy theory, and that piqued my interest. I go, why is she wearing that horned? Why is she, like, they never mention it in the show. She's just wearing a picture of a bull with, like, a red snout and these horns. And, you know, like, is it Moloch or something like that? And then she has the gloves with the red stars on them, which, again, when her hands are held in a certain fashion, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't mean anything. I thought it was weird. thought it was a weird detail to add. So Nickelodeon has been tied a lot into Illuminati theory, brainwashing the youth, stuff like that. Kind of standard Illuminati conspiracy theory. So I'm watching the shows, I'm watching Victorious, and the theme song. This is banned from YouTube week, so I can actually sing these theme songs. You don't have to listen to them. You don't have to listen to them. But let me let me sing you a bit of this song here. This is <laughs> This is the Victorious theme song. So, Victoria Justice ended up getting her own television show called Victorious. It's about a group. It's like fame. It's like a new version of fame. It's about a group of kids. They go to Hollywood High, and their classes are like singing and acting and dancing, and they're all trying to become successful artists. It's actually a pretty funny show. I always rate stuff on how funny is it compared to like network television, like Two and a Half Men or Big Bang Theory or stuff like that. And it's not as funny as, say, Arrested Development or 
Modern Family, but it's light years funnier than Big Bang Theory or Two and a Half Men, so they're actually pretty well put together sitcoms. But anyways, take a look at these lyrics for the show Victorious. Can't play the song, because I'm not willing to take that copyright risk, but... You don't have to be afraid to put your dream in action. You're never going to... This song sounds better than that. But here, deal. You're going to have to roll with this. You don't have to be afraid to put your dream in action. You're never going to fade. You'll be the main attraction. Not a fantasy. Just remember me when it turns out right. Because you know that if you live in your imagination, tomorrow you'll be everybody's fascination. It's an interesting lyric. It's an interesting lyric and very uplifting, right? It, the song is called Make It Shine. It's about... Well, it's interesting because the song is about, like, making it. Starting off not really knowing where they're at, but eventually they make it shine. But let's look at these lines again. <laughs> I'm not going to sing them. Remember, the show ran for three seasons. It ran much longer on repeats. It was in constant rotation. Now it's on endless rotation on Netflix. You don't have to be afraid to put your dream in action. That's a great line. You're never going to fade. You'll be the main attraction. Not a fantasy. Just remember me when it turns out right. What we're seeing in that line is the law of attraction. What we're seeing in that line is... The Science of Getting Rich, which is the book I talk about all the time. This this song is really talking about the secret. Because you know if you live in your imagination, tomorrow you'll be everybody's fascination. By visualizing it, you can have it. So this is what I find so fascinating about this. The conspiracy theory that Nickelodeon is run by the Illuminati. But this song is very uplifting. And not only is this song uplifting, it actually, I believe in the science of getting rich. I believe you have to work hard and you have to visualize it. The strength gains I've made in my body, I give 60% to physically lifting more than I was lifting two weeks previous. And 40% to visualizing myself getting stronger constantly. You've got to do both. This song is actually giving young people the secret. It's not just about hard work. It's not just about imagination. You have to do both. You have to put the dream in action. And you have to live in your imagination. And what's super weird about this, what's super weird about this, is basically this song could be considered a spell. It's a very, very positive song. And you're listening to it on repeat as the show's playing over and over again. And the cast of the show, Victorious, you have Victoria Justice, who was the star. You have Elizabeth Giles, or Gillies. She went on to be in the remake of Dallas. She left this show and ended up doing the remake of Dallas. Victoria Justice has, has had done a few projects here and there. But the big star to come out of Victorious is one of the biggest stars in the world. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande is on the level of like a Madonna at this point. She is... A global superstar. There are still people who would be like, what, who's Cardi B? Everyone knows who Ariana Grande is. Whether or not you like her music, she's put out hit after hit. She's on, like, album number seven. Like, she's just been... And she releases... Sometimes she'll release, like, two albums in a year. She's like a monster. I covered her on an episode. She's really into the paranormal. She's really into supernatural. She'd probably love this show. But what's so fascinating about this is you have... The, and when she was doing the show, she was 15 years old. She's a side character, not a fantasy. Just remember me when it turns out right. That is the theme song for the show. 
throughout the opening credits, they're showing Victoria Justice walking to school. They're showing the cute boy number one waving his hand. They show cute boy number two with his marionette puppet. Not a fantasy. Just remember me when it turns out right. Ariana Grande appears on screen. Like, right when they show her picture, we're getting that line. It's not a fantasy. It wasn't a fantasy. It was putting your imagination and combining it with your dream. Put it into action. Is it possible that this song is a spell? Out of all seven characters on that show, the other most popular guy was the teacher, was the voice of Plankton from Spongebob, which I think they just grabbed him from that set and took him to this one. What if you had crafted a song that was a spell, that was a good spell, a positive spell, and it plays over and over and over again every time that episode is aired, every time they're in the editing bay, every time they are assembling this episode and it's sitting on these DVDs to be shipped off to the studio to actually be aired, and they're constantly going through this, and it's always playing that line and always showing Ariana Grande's picture. And she's the biggest star of the show by multitudes. Like, not even close. There's a lot of talent on that show, but Ariana Grande outshines them all. Is the song a spell? So did the people who even wrote that song knew they were crafting a spell? And are there more songs out there like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. To both of those. I think this was a fluke. I think a lot of magic could be flukes. But it's interesting nonetheless. And it's interesting because it comes out of a place that is very, very closely associated with Illuminati, with darkness. The conspiracy theorists hate Nickelodeon. Absolutely hate it. Now, even when I was a conspiracy theorist, I knew funny. Like, I, I think the jokes are funny. Plus, I was with a bunch of kids. You, I can't watch, like, Homicide Life on the street, right? Or I couldn't even watch Two and a Half Men. I was watching this stuff. It's funny. It's funny. It's good stuff. But yeah, you wonder how many other spells are out there sitting on albums. Just a fluke. An accident. The songwriter didn't know they were actually crafting something that powerful. Just sitting out there. Waiting to be discovered. So Wiz's Khalifa. Damn it! So Wiz's Carbs. Let's go ahead and leave. What if it is really Wiz Khalifa? He's enjoying the show. Wiz's Carbs. Go ahead and call in the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Hollywood Hills. We are going to travel out to Finland. But first, do you like board games and murder? Dun, dun, dun. Then the dark comedic thriller Murder, Bury, Murder, Bury, Win, Bury, you know, like digging a hole, is for you. I point right at you. Critically acclaimed on the festival circuit and winner of the best feature at Phoenix Fearcon, Murder, Barry Win centers on three aspiring board game designers who have to dispose of a body. With few options available, they turn to their game for guidance. The premise of their game? How to murder someone and get rid of the body. Pre-order now. <laughs> Pre-order now and you'll receive the original deck of cards as featured in the film for free. Details at MurderBarryWin.com Wiz, Wiz's Carbs says you're flying us out. <laughs> this is why I was laughing during the promo read. It's a good movie. Check it out. But Wiz's carbs, as you're flying us out to Finland, you start to notice <laughs> you start to notice that my voice starts to change. It starts to sound like this next story we're going into. I recorded for a different episode. <laughs> for a different episode. But that's just the altitude. That's just because we're so high up in the carbon helicopter. It's gonna sound like I had recorded it 
for another episode, but the rest of the episode wasn't that great. So I clipped out that ending and moved to this ending because I can't figure out a way to end this episode without singing more songs. But it's just the altitude, bro. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. So Wiz's carbs, and there might actually be jokes. There may be jokes that don't make sense because they're callbacks to earlier in this Phantom episode. But it's just your imagination, man. It's season 13. You're just imagining stuff. It's the end. But so there we go. (laughs) My eyes do the ultimate shift from side to side. And hopefully my voice quality doesn't change that much. Wiz's carbs. Let's call in that world-famous carpenter copter. We are headed out to Finland. Specifically, we're headed out to Cryola. That's in Jarvanapa in Finland. It's November 1991. It's 9 p.m. There's a 29-year-old woman. Let's name her Margaret. And she's just watching television. She's just sitting in her chair, checking out the old boob tube. New episode of Perfect Strangers is on. That Balky, he's so funny. No one ever said. I actually liked that show when I was a kid. She's sitting there in the chair, and then all of a sudden... Has to take a breath. A circular wind starts to wrap her up. And she feels the wind kind of start at her feet and wrap around her body all the way up to the top of her head. She tries to stand up, but she can't. Her mouth opens up. I don't think she made that noise. I don't think she was Mumra coming out of the crypt. Her head is forced up. She's sitting in her chair completely paralyzed, mouth wide open. Looking up now. She's forced to see something in front of her. There is a, what she describes as a holographic picture. And on that picture is a foot and a half tall alien just laying on a bed, staring at her. Her eyes wide open, her mouth agape. She's staring at this image. This creature is laying there with one hand casually under its jaw. And its feet are kicking back and forth, a little nervously. This creature doesn't seem to be prepared for what is going to happen next. She said the only thing she could think of is how angry she was. Margaret was overwhelmed with anger. This goes on for ten minutes. She's completely paralyzed and she's staring at this foot and a half tall creature just lounging there staring back at her. Then, the image of this creature is replaced with a star map, and then it slowly fades away, and the creature is laying on the bed once again, kicking its legs nervously. At this point, the anger has become terror. She feels like they have now projected a map of where they are going to take her. And she, be- she can't speak, she can't move, she's beginning to just think how terrified she is, and she's trying to send a message, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I want to stay here, don't take me anywhere. And this creature stops kicking its legs, and then sits up on the bed. 
this massive white tube appears. She can see it out of the corner of her eye. It's actually right outside her house. And she's staring at this alien. He's sitting on this couch. And then he starts to fade away. And then starts to fade back in. He's sitting on the couch. Starts to fade away. Fades back into view. Starts to fade away. And then... Right where she could see the outline of the alien, he faded away, but it's been replaced by the shape of the alien. But now just fuzzy lines. In the outline of the creature she just saw. The encounter ends. She can move again. The white tube outside of her house disappears. And she realizes something almost immediately. She's been sitting in that chair for 10 minutes, looking at this thing, looking at her. She did not see its hands, its feet, or its face. She could make out none of those details. She saw the legs kicking. She saw it looking at her. But when she tried to recall details about the face, how many fingers it had, what its feet looked like, Her only answer is, I didn't see them. She saw them, but she couldn't remember them. I got this story from thinkaboutitdocs.com, and they actually got it from Mervy Vertanen, who I believe is a UFOologist in Finland. This story was originally going to be on my David Lynch episode, because talk about a Lynchian encounter. This story is bizarre, just for the visuals. And just for the idea of the alien does nothing. I used to kick it with this girl named Kate in Sacramento, and she always said the scariest thing to her is looking out into her backyard and seeing a man in the backyard. And I go, and then, like, he tries to get in, she goes, no. If he tries to get in, then I know what to do. If he tries to do anything towards me, I can do it. The, the mo- the, just the man in the backyard is what's terrifying to me. Not knowing is terrifying to me. And that's what this alien story represents. This creature just stared. It's in a very, very long for an alien encounter as well. Ten minutes? I mean, that's just boring, right? You get bored after a while, but ten minutes is a long time for an alien encounter unless you're getting taken onto the ship. But this story is so surreal. It's so bizarre that you would almost want, like Kate was saying, the man in the backyard is creepy. You'd almost want to wake up and have gray alien. If you're going to have an alien encounter at all, it's much better to wake up late at night and you see the gray alien poking its head out of your closet. And then you get terrified. And the next thing you know, you're face down on some bed on a Starcraft. I mean, again, I'm saying if you had to choose, because at least that makes sense. Or you wake up and there's a dark shadow standing at the end of your hallway. And then, you know, that's creepy. But then you're getting chased by it. And then the next thing you know, you're face down on a metal bed on a StarCraft. 
Because those make sense. And if you are being chased by something, if the gray is in your closet, you could beat it up. You could lock it in. You can make it record a podcast. You can do all these things. But this is just so surreal. The way that it appears and the way that it disappears. The whole interaction with it defies logic. It's like an abstract interpretation of an alien encounter. You can't fight back against something that you don't understand. And we understand biology. We understand great aliens. You can grab their little tiny legs and you can spin them around and hit their heads on everything. You can punch them. You can fight reptilians, probably lose, but I mean, you could go toe to toe. You could ride an insectoid. You can turn them in, put a little saddle on them. Whee! You can do all this crazy stuff. But how would you fight against this? I mean, she just willed herself into not going. But even in the end, like she's staring at something for 10 minutes and she can't see, quote-unquote, see its face, that is more terrifying to me than scout crafts and aliens taking slaves and hybrids and all that stuff. An abstraction of those stories is far more terrifying because there's just no rhyme or reason to it. The real terror out there isn't the gray alien standing at the foot of your bed or the shadow man that you see crawl underneath your car in that dark parking lot. Or the movement out of the corner of your eye right when you flick off the light switch to go to sleep. The real true terror is the stuff that's so incomprehensible our mind can't even process it. That we could look at something for 10 minutes and then be asked a mundane detail, what did it look like? And you go, I don't know. Because if something can bend your mind that much, then what hope do we have? We can fight physical wars, military might versus starships. But this, this abstraction, there's no defense against it. All you can do is hope and pray you never encounter it. Or, if you do, you never remember it. Because by glimpsing madness like this, you are almost guaranteed to go mad yourself. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. Into season 13, I'm going to go play so many video games. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. I'll be back in two weeks. Don't you worry about that with all sorts of new stories. My legs are cramped. I'm ready to go, guys. Peace. Love you. Drop the bomb. Peace. Love you guys. Have a great one. I said drop the bomb. I'm going to have to edit that out. Otherwise, we're going to get federal government after me. Do not. I repeat, do not drop the bomb. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>